0: David is on the run from Saul, and he soon makes a plan to go into Philistine territory in an attempt to find refuge in the hands of an enemy. On The Bible Brief. Have you donated to the Bible Literacy Foundation? We'd love for you to join the Bible Lit team as we make Bible learning content. Want to donate today? Check out the link in the show notes. David listened to the drips as he drifted between his wakeful thoughts and surrendering to sleep. He was in a large cave surrounded by his brothers and surrounded by other people of all stripes. People who had had difficult lives of distress, of indebtedness, and of bitterness. People who for some reason flocked to David. Perhaps it was David's shepherding background that caused these people to gather to him. A way of leadership that picked up the weak and nourished them to strength. That protected the flock from the lion and the bear. That cared for each and every sheep. Maybe it was that, or maybe it was because of David's future. There were rumblings in Israel about David becoming king. Rumblings that had started all the way back when David had slain Goliath, the large Philistine from Gath. Surely at least some of the men came here to seek favor with the coming King David, by showing their loyalty to him, even while Saul remained on the throne. Whatever the reason, David now had a band of followers numbering around 400. David recalled the road that led him here to this cave of Adullam, and it was a rocky road indeed. More than once he'd just barely escaped with his life, and he'd been behind enemy lines for more time than he wished was necessary. David's life as a fugitive all started after he left Samuel and Ramah to have a covert meeting with his best friend Jonathan, the son of Saul. He had poured out his worries to Jonathan, and he and his friend had launched a plan to see if David's worries were warranted. David had said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my guilt? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And Jonathan said to him, Far from it, you shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing either great or small without disclosing it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It is not so. But David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he thinks, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. And Jonathan said to David, Whatever you say, I will do for you. David said to Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit at the table with the king. But let me go, that I may hide myself in the field till the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked leave of me to run to Bethlehem his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the clan. If he says, Good, it will be well with your servant. But if he is angry, then know that harm is determined by him. Therefore deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. But if there is guilt in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? And Jonathan said, Far be it from you. If I knew that it was determined by my father that harm should come to you, would I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field so they both went out into the field. Soon, the two men launched a plan to test Saul's resolve against David. Apparently, Saul expected David to eat a meal with him and others on a somewhat regular basis. They decided that David should be absent from this meal on purpose to see what Saul's reaction might be. Then they'd meet in the same field so that Jonathan could let David know how Saul had reacted to David's absence. Once more, the two men confirmed their heartfelt love for one another, before they parted ways. We read this in chapter 20, starting in verse 24. So David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon came, the king sat down to eat food. And the king sat on his seat, as at other times on the seat by the wall. Jonathan sat opposite, and Abner sat by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. Yet Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought, something has happened to him. He is not clean, surely he is not clean. But on the second day, the day after the new moon, David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan his son, Why has not the son of Jesse come to the meal, either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. He said, Let me go, for our clan holds a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to be there. So now if I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away and see my brothers. For this reason he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman! Do I not know that you have chosen this son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Then Jonathan answered Saul his father, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. Now it's Jonathan's turn to be angry. After his own brush with death by the spear of his father, he leaves the table deeply troubled by his father's attitude toward David. Jonathan knew that David had done nothing wrong and that his father's paranoia had reached new heights. Soon Jonathan meets David in the same field, and Jonathan tells David the bad news. He needs to get out of town, quickly. Saul is out for blood, and he won't stop till he's satisfied. So David and Jonathan weep in their last moments together, knowing that they will be apart for a considerable time. And David slips away from Gibeah. He's now a fugitive in his own land, an anointed king on the run. David continued to think about that shocking day when everything had changed. He hadn't seen Jonathan since, and he missed his friend deeply. By now it had been years. Years between that day at Gibeah and his hideout here at the cave of Adullam. David had been through a lot, and at least a few of the men here had been with him through most of it. Some from that very day when he'd fled Gibeah. He and his men had quickly set off from Gibeah for Nob. Not a large city in Israel, but an important one. Nob was where Yahweh's tabernacle tent had been set up. David and his men had exited so quickly from their places at Gibeah that their provisions quickly ran out. And by the time they arrived in Nob, they were famished. David and the high priest Ahimelech immediately began conversing, with the priest apparently perturbed at the sudden appearance of David in their little town. Ahimelech the priest asked David, Why are you alone and no one with you? And David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you, and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread, or whatever is here. And the priest answered David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, if the young men have kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest, Truly women have been kept from us, as always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy, even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord, to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. Immediately upon David's arriving, The priest asks what any in his position would ask as a band of tired men approaches. He basically says, what are you doing here? And David says what is at minimum a deceptive response. Perhaps he doesn't know if he can trust this priest, but he says that he's on a secret mission from the king before he quickly changes the subject and asks for provisions from Ahimelech. It's here that we see the priest offer something that we need to understand. Apparently the only food readily available was the bread of the presence. This was bread commanded by God to be baked and placed in the tabernacle at regular intervals before it was to be eaten by the priests. Only the priests. But here, Ahimelech makes an exception for David, ensuring that he and his men are in a state of ritual purity according to the law. Apparently some law regulations could have exceptions in very abnormal circumstances, and especially for the preservation of life. David and his men ate the bread— and satisfied their hunger. Soon David said to Ahimelech, Have you not here a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth. If you will take it, take it, for there is none but that here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it to me. David's stomach was satisfied, and now his hands grasped at the scimitar of his enemy Goliath, the one whom he had slain by the power of God. Now he was supplied and armed. His life as a fugitive was beginning, and he would soon leave the village for a new location. But before he left, his eyes didn't fail to notice a figure who he knew would be trouble. There in the village was a foreigner, a man from the land of Edom named Doeg, a man loyal to Saul. After leaving Nod, David began to head west, and if he hadn't told his men where they were headed, surely they began to ask lots of questions along the way. They were headed through the territory of Israel, coming upon the border, and then crossing the border. David was headed to the place where Goliath was from. He was headed to Gath of the Philistines, a city that might not be kind to the one who killed their champion. Soon David came into the presence of Achish, king of Gath. And as he approached the king, he overheard a servant say this, Is not this David king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David took these words to heart, and was much afraid of Achish the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, and pretended to be insane in their hands, and made marks on the doors of the gate, and let his spit run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see this man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? David had been desperate to escape from Saul's searching, and he went into the hands of another enemy. But he apparently made a miscalculation. It seems as though he initially went to Gath trying to seek refuge. But upon hearing the servant repeating the victory song sung in Israel, he realized he was in over his head. David made another deception and began to act like a crazy madman in front of the king of Gath. And to David's relief, the king spared him from harm due to his apparent mental state. Realizing his mistake, David fled from Gath. And that's how he'd ended up here, at this cave where he'd been for the last several years. A place where he would be safe from Saul's loyalists. A place of rest where David could write songs of celebration to Yahweh. Songs to remember all that God had done for him so far. A place that brought the disaffected and the downtrodden to David, who had become their commander. Join us next time as David learns of the fallout from his visit to Nod. Saul's rage explodes and the priests are caught in his crossfire. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.